Check, 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 check. Hello, everyone. Good morning again. Everyone that's watching from home, uh, whether you're snowed in or other reasons, welcome. Uh, I just want to say uh, uh, welcome to anyone, if this is your first time, um, or for anyone who's been coming here for a while, or for those that call Church 101 your, your church family, and also for those that are pers um, pursuing the teachings of Jesus, wondering what this is all about, just want to welcome you to Church 21. You made it here today. Uh, isn't it wonderful to see this fluffy white stuff on the ground? Some people hate it. I love it because I have kids and there's things you can do in the snow. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we say welcome to church, welcome to Church 21. And we don't mean, you know, welcome to this space, welcome to this building. We're saying welcome those that are the church, that is us. We are the church, those who are redeemed by the blood of Christ. And we're gathered here today to worship God. This is literally called our Sunday worship gathering. So we're so thankful that you're here. And so let's do just that. Get started with some worship. Keep saying good. There we go. Good morning. Now you can. Now everybody can hear me. Um, uh, I invite you just to stand. Um, we're going to uh, sing a couple songs this morning, um, just to worship God and to really center our hearts on God. This morning we have uh, a prayer that we'll say together, a call to worship, and this is just to acknowledge that we are we are all worshipers of something, but God is the only one that is truly worthy of our worship. And so we want to acknowledge all that he has done, that he is doing, and that he will do. And so this is just something to center um, our, our hearts and our, our minds on that. So pull up. Um, I'll say the part of, uh, of the leader, and together we'll say the part of the church. The earth is the Lord's, for he made it. Come, let us adore him. Worship the Lord in his beauty of his holiness. Come, let us adore him. The mercy of the, uh, the, mercy of the Lord is everlasting. Come, let us adore him. Lord, open our lips, and our mouths will proclaim your praise. So let's worship God through a uh, song this morning. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of Sing. 
all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Yes, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy Jesus, to Thee be all glory Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, O oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. And we'll sing that one more time. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. So we're going to enter into a time of confession. And this is a time to not only um, confess the ways that we have maybe gone away from God, but also confess Jesus. And um, no, sometimes we say a prayer like our call to worship, but we're actually going to sing a song together. Um, and we'll just let this be an opportunity um, to recognize our deep need of a savior and confess that. And um, we'll sing a familiar song, O Holy Night, but really treat it as, as a prayer and um, recognize how the weight of our sin and error, like the lyrics say, um, has led us to so much suffering, but we find sweet, sweet salvation in the name of Christ Jesus. And we fall on our knees in awe of his grace. So let's sing this together. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill 
Jesus. And now I would invite you to just remain standing as we uh, hear our scripture for today and pray. Right, we're reading from two passages today, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, and 11, 1 through 10. You can have a moment to find those in your Bible or on your phones if you want to follow along. I pray that God will open your hearts to receive his word. It says this in Isaiah 9, starting in verse 6. For to us a child is born. To us, a son has been given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, And of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah 11, again the words of Isaiah prophesying said, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear, but with righteousness in perfection he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. And faithfulness, the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a small child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child will be able to play over the hole of a cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand into the den of a poisonous adder. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord 
as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate that you and your almighty, perfect, total, unquestionable power came to this earth humble and meek as a child. You loved children, Jesus. You loved ministering to children. And you wept to see how so many people would have such hardened hearts to deny you and refuse to hear your words, unlike children who have such simple faith and can behold your glory and simply believe. Wow, God, you are amazing. Truly, O oh Lord, you deserve the government to rest upon your shoulder. There is none beside you. There are none who can challenge or question you. You are perfect and righteous without stain in all of your ways. And we gather together here to worship you, King Jesus, King of all kings. We worship you before anything or anyone, anytime. Lord, we know that this earth is not currently yet under your domain, but for a time you have allowed it to be under the powers of darkness. But you will come back one day, fact. And you will uphold justice for the poor and for the weak, for those who are scared, you will save them. For those who are anxious, you will comfort them. The heavens will be rolled back like a scroll and all will see you, Jesus, in your full glory. We look to this day and we celebrate your coming, the reason of Christmas. And we celebrate, God, that you will come again. May you be praised forever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. All right, my name is Dwight. I am one of the pastors of Church 21. Um, if you're new to Church 21, the Church 21, we, we are one church in four different locations. And uh, what happens typically downtown is that uh, there's this like Christian, Christmas, not Christian, Christmas rapture that takes place. It's like all of a sudden everyone downtown just disappears. Uh, so many of our, our people are, are here on contract or in school, uh, and so they're going home already. I just didn't know that the Christmas rapture was going to happen uh, this week. I thought it would be next week. Uh, but nonetheless, so glad that you're with us, um, and uh, just wanted to do a few housekeeping things uh, at the forefront uh, before we get started on the actual sermon. Um, 
First thing is that we love training pastors and, uh, and then sending them out to start new things. So over the course of the past 12 months, we've been training um, four different pastors. And so they're trained, equipped, ready to uh, be called pastors by Church 21. Uh, none of them are here in this location, so you might not know them. But if you've been around Church 21 for any amount of time, you, you very well could know them. So uh, David Long... Andrew Fulford, Jeff Wright, and Evan, not Evan, other Walker, Trenton Walker. Uh, Evan, you're, you're on my mind more than Trenton, apparently. So, um, so those, those four, uh, we've been training, and basically what we want to do over the next month is, if we feel like they're ready, uh, we feel that they have um, met all the qualifications, but we also know that people know dirt, on people. We're not looking for a gossip session, uh, but if you, if there's something in one of those uh, four men that you just say, like, no way, like, I know this about them, I saw this, I have questions or concerns, would you please uh, bring that to me? Uh, and I would love to talk that through uh, with you and, um, and to understand where you're coming from. Just to be clear, we don't expect anything. Um, but if there is something we really do want to hear and process that well and take that seriously, we, um, we don't want to put people in places of leadership or authority that don't have the character for that, the competency for that, or the calling uh, for that. And we feel like the people of God uh, allow for us to get a better read on that. So um, please let me know if you have information uh, about, about that or if you want more information about who they are. Uh, second thing, I, I took two vacations this year. Uh, the first vacation was in the summer, and my dad passed away when we were on vacation. So my vacation was spent preparing for a funeral, grieving, mourning, helping my family deal with all that. Uh, so we planned a vacation, and we accomplished the vacation last week. We came back Thursday night, and within the first 15 minutes, I was already leaving my house to go to Home Depot because something happened at our house while we were away, secondary. But while I was driving back from Home Depot, I heard the announcement from the government on the new restrictions that would be coming into place. So we as a pastoral team and leadership team got together uh, on Friday morning. So this is like quick in the moment because we have to make decisions and we don't have all the information that, that we will have probably in the weeks to come. Um, but we crafted a statement that we wanted to read this morning on our position on this and where we'll be going as a church in the next few weeks. Uh, so next week, we already prepared not to have a gathering, so that's still going to happen. We're not gathering. Please gather at home with, uh, with your people, enjoy sleeping in, leftovers, whatever. Um, but I just want to read this. So this has been a long 21 months. Following the announcement of the provincial government to institute a vaccine passport system, the pastors and leaders met to pray and discuss how we should proceed so that we can best care for all of those who are part of Church 21. As you are most likely aware, not all people in Church 21 are vaccinated, nor all those who desire to visit in order to hear the gospel proclaimed and worship with the people of God. We believe that one receiving a vaccination is a matter of conscience that should not separate us from one another. While we can understand why the government would desire to implement this restriction, we as pastors and a leadership team cannot in good conscience enforce the vaccine passport system within the church. First, we believe by implementing this system, what we're doing is creating two specific categories of people in our church. 
One group would have full access to gathered worship while the other would be refused access. We cannot implement this type of system as normal operation as we do not see this representing well the type of community that we're called to be. There is much more to be said on this point that we cannot adequately state in a small announcement, but more dialogue is welcome and we can have further conversations as we keep going, right? This is brand new. Second, we do believe that the church gathering can be done creatively due to a plethora of circumstances, and we have done that throughout this pandemic. We have often said the church is not the building or the Sunday morning gathering, but it is the people. We're not being told that we can't proclaim the gospel or gather with the saints. It just looks different. Therefore, though we will not implement the vaccine passport system and do not see the following as an option long term, we believe that we should temporarily shift to a different mode of corporate worship for the benefit of the entire church. So here's what we propose. We won't have a gathering December 26. I already mentioned that. On January 2nd, we will have a Sunday service at 11 a.m. that will be live streamed. But this service will not be open to either vaccinated or unvaccinated persons. It will only be for those serving and ministering during the service. Uh, your location leaders, so myself, Evan, Stephen, um, we will facilitate gatherings of 10 persons in homes so that all who desire to gather with others will have the opportunity to do so. These micro gatherings will not only be watching the live stream, but will have components of sharing prayer and building community together during this time. We really want to encourage you not to watch and participate on your own. Okay, I want to make that really clear. But to intentionally connect with others and also invite people who do not yet know Jesus to engage with the church. So we're going to do this format from January 2nd to January 16th. So three Sundays that we know for sure. And we'll reevaluate at this point as to how we should proceed. Beyond this, we'll continue to have city groups and change groups. We can't neglect to meet as a people of God for mutual encouragement and reminding one another of the hope that we have in Jesus. So, you need to know first off that we're really disappointed by this. And we know that this is disappointing. And for some of you, you've just like come back and started gathering again, right? So this might be ultra disappointing. But it was a really difficult decision to make and one that we had to make pretty rapidly. And it wasn't just one or two factors that went into it. It was all of you that went into it as factors. And what did this actually mean if we made a certain decision? What were the ramifications that we would be walking into? And what did we think God was calling us to do in this, in this time? So we're not asking you to agree with every aspect of this decision. We understand that people are coming at this from all kinds of different walks of life and situations, but we believe this is the best decision for the moment as we have many factors to consider. So please take time to process this decision and then feel free to ask us for a clarification on anything that you heard. Uh, yesterday I had two hour long plus conversations about this. Very happy to dialogue, to hear, to understand, and to, to make good decisions in the future. But we would ask you to consider this decision through the lens of Philippians 2 verse 3 to 4 which says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only onto his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So uh, tomorrow, 
There are like lots of churches across Canada that will be fasting and praying for this decision to actually be reversed, and maybe it will be, who knows? But we'd invite you to fast and pray with us tomorrow as well. Uh, The good news is that Jesus said that he will build his church and the gates of hell won't prevail. Uh, Nothing is going to stop his church from moving forward. And so we sit in this moment in full trust of his sovereignty and his presence in the midst of very um, difficult, unpredictable circumstances. He has promised he's never going to leave us or forsake us, and we believe him. So know that we as a leadership team, a pastoral team, we love you. We're praying for you all during the pandemic. I hope that you have felt that and being followed up. And we've been intentionally figuring out how to best shepherd and care for all of you. And we won't stop doing that. So this is just on behalf of all of the pastors of Church 21. So not the greatest Christmas gift, uh, but I wanted to get the elephant out of the room before we actually got into good news. Um, and the good news is that we can and will uh, figure out how to, how to continue to be the church in light of all this. All right? So we'll be here uh, afterwards as well. You can ask questions, talk about this. Uh, but I want to pray, and I want to I get into the text that Stephen just, just read for us. So let me pray. Jesus, thank you that we can experience difficulties and hardships knowing that you are present and active and moving and that you are not, um, you're not sitting in a corner rocking, sucking your thumb, hoping that this is all just going to work out. You're not, um, you're not distracted. You're not moving away from us during this time, hoping that we figure out the best thing to do, but you are, you are present and you care for us. Thank you for these people. I pray uh, for those who are here in person, for those watching online, that you, Spirit of God, would speak to us and that you would open our hearts and eyes and ears to grasp and understand what what your promises and, and your message of peace really was, Jesus. So we love you and we need you. Amen. All right, so, so many unknowns in life, right? We could give a whole list if I asked you, give me a few. But there's so many unknowns in life, like what I just read to you, right? Friday, Thursday night, oh, unknown, here it is. Weren't predicting that, wasn't predicting that. Um, But in life, it seems like there's so little peace to actually be had. It feels like it's such a struggle to actually be in a place of peace. Unless you're alone in one of those weird nap chambers in the middle of an airport, But then you have to question, is this really clean, right? So it's even hard to be at peace there. And there are two very vivid reminders to us in this season, on this day, that peace is hard to have. One is COVID, which we just talked about. But the second is Christmas. Uh, Christmas is one of the most volatile holidays for families, It's one of the moments that you end up counseling a lot of people uh, through after the fact. Because just so many bad things are said and done on Christmas. You'd think that we could just like get our act together at least for one day, right? And at least just like staple your mouth shut for one day. But we can't. There's a a great movie, I think I fully recommend it, uh, called Four Christmases, Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon. Um, They have this brilliant plan. Both sets of their parents have been divorced, so they have four different Christmases that they would have to attend. So what they started doing was uh, philanthropy in foreign countries. 
They didn't really do philanthropy. They just said they did it to their families. And they were going on vacation, so they didn't have to go through the strife of actually being with all four different families. But in the movie, their flight gets canceled, and then chaos ensues. And if you haven't seen it, it's a lot of fun. Um, they even had a safety word, mistletoe, that if they say mistletoe, it's like, we got to get out of here now, right? This is our exit strategy. But if peace in our families seems impossible to, to grab onto, how much harder is peace on earth? Right? We talk about this thing, we send people cards, peace on earth. But it's, it seems like an impossible task that can never actually be accomplished. I remember being eight years old. I went to visit Santa, and my mom was there, and a bunch of people were there. I don't know why all those people were there. But Santa said, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And I knew the game. Um, I, I also was starting to wonder, you know, I had my questions about Santa, but I'm not going to go into that today. But I said, Santa, in a very loud voice, I want peace on earth. And he just said, oh, and that's all I wanted. I just wanted the awe of Santa, and I wanted the approval of the people around there, but I didn't really want peace on earth. I probably wanted a skateboard or like old school Nintendo. I think I got that when I was eight or nine, right? But it, peace on earth just seems like this pipe dream that we can never actually arrive at. There's a song called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and the first verse in that song says, and in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. You see, the Bible speaks about this thing called shalom. Shalom isn't like this, peace out, man. It's this deep well-being between everything. Like, everything is right. Everything is in harmony with one another. And that's how God designed his creation. We believe that God is a creator, that he created everything, and he created all things to have this shalom type of connection and relationship. He intended that when countries and cultures were formed, they would get along. He intended for families to work together, not against one another like the Montagues and Capulets. Right? He intended that coworkers would work together for the good of the company, not being willing to devour one another so that they can move up the corporate ladder. He, when his, he created neighbors, he desired that they would look out for one another and be at peace with one another, not upset because the lawn ornament is too big and blocks their, their way of sight. He didn't create everything so that we would be afraid of our environment and are we going to be destroyed by this disease that we can't even see with our naked eye. He didn't create everything so that we internally could be at strife with ourselves. We've had so much emotional and mental unwellness. I don't think that's a word, but I don't care. We, unwellness during the pandemic. And then he didn't intend that there wouldn't be shalom between humanity and him. He created us to be in relationship with him. And that's been broken. You see, peace, for shalom to happen, someone has to give in. Someone has to give in. Someone has to surrender in order to make shalom happen between two different entities. And I, I want to say this before we get started, that shalom this peace is very, very costly. It's not a John Lennon song where you can just imagine it into being, right? That song is so bogus in so many different ways. But it's not that. Shalom is costly. You and I, we experience lots of peace right now. 
So much of the peace we experience in this moment is because other people lost their lives so that we can enjoy this. This is why we celebrate Remembrance Day or in the state's Veterans Day. So that we're remembering the people who have secured the peace that we actually have. It's costly. And so hundreds of years before Jesus actually came to earth, there are these promises that Stephen read for us and we're going to get into about peace. About peace. One promise was about the arrival of this child who's going to come onto the scene 2,000 years ago, but the other is about when he comes again. And so since the first promise, we'll look at the first promise first. Since the first promise we believe came true, we have no reason to doubt the validity of the second promise and that that's going to come to fruition. All right, so Isaiah. Isaiah was written by a guy named Isaiah. I love the Bible, how simple it is, at least in the title. Very difficult in other ways, but written by a guy named Isaiah. And he is speaking about things to come. He is a prophet of God speaking about things that are going to come to pass. And he's about 700-ish years before Jesus comes to earth. And he writes this, Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And let me go into verse 7 a little bit. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. So here's the thing. A child is coming who is going to rule and reign over everything. Now that could be a good promise or a bad promise. It all depends on who that child is, right? If this was about little Adolf Hitler... This would not be a good promise. It's like we do not want him to rule and reign over everything. But what we find out is that this child is, is, is different. His reputation and his fame was going to spread throughout all of the world. It was going to hit every nation. So think about every tribe, every people group, every dialect. This child was going to be famous and have a reputation there. But what was his reputation going to be? What was his reputation going to be? What was he going to be famous for? Right? What do you want to be famous for? Maybe you want to be the most famous juggler who can juggle the most amount of things. I don't know why, but maybe that's you. Uh, maybe you want to be the person that, um, that solves a Rubik's Cube, the fastest in the world. I don't know. Maybe you want to have the biggest Minecraft kingdom. I, I don't know. I don't know what your thing is. But the reputation that this child was going to have and the fame that he was going to have is all locked into his name. Is all locked into his name. And I want to look at these four different names. And a name at this point, biblical times, a name really meant something. Because you were supposed to grow into your name. It was something that was given to you and it was who you were going to be and what you were going to do. Uh, we named our kids not based on that, but because I'm like, oh, I like the name Nehemiah. Let's name him Nehemiah. People ask like, oh, why did you name Nehemiah? I don't know. You know, it just sounded great. Uh, Sadie, like, why did you, like, is that a family name? Nope, just like the name Sadie. But it was different. And I like your name too, Malachi. I just don't want to leave you out. You're here, all right? We like, I like all my kids' names, right? Really important. But the names that were given to this child would indicate who he is and what he was going to do. And so the first name that this child was going to be named is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. This means that he was going to have an extraordinary, 
ability to plan and execute whatever he wanted to do in all wisdom. An extraordinary ability to plan, execute in all wisdom. Meaning that he's able to take all the factors into consideration and know properly what he is supposed to do. And not just what he is supposed to do. He's not a wonderful hoarder. He's a wonderful counselor, which means that he shares that with others as well. That he's not keeping wisdom to himself. He's dispensing that and he's dealing that to his people. And so as wonderful counselor, we benefit from his wisdom. This is why we go to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I don't understand what we're supposed to do here. Would you give us wisdom to take into consideration all the different factors that are before us and help us make a move that is honoring to you and one that is wise? He is our wonderful counselor. This child was going to be that. Secondly, he was going to be mighty God, His name is going to be Mighty God. So it's not just that you have this little divine uh, counselor sitting on some mountain in Tibet somewhere, hoarding all of his wisdom, but rather he's going to have power that goes along with this as well. The creator of the universe is now coming as a baby. This is really baffling. right? We become so familiar with the story that we forget the, the, the gravity of this. That the one who created all things and particles and cells and molecules and who knits together children inside of their mother's womb, he was actually going to enter into a womb. And how confident do you have to be to say, you know what, I'm not going to come down. I'm not going to beam myself down like some sort of Star Trek figure. I'm going to come as a baby. That's how confident God is in his plan. That I'm going to come as a, as a baby susceptible to all of the things that could happen to him and yet so confident that the things that he wants to accomplish are going to happen. In this child that's going to come, there's not a trace of inability or surprise in him. That's really good news. We're surprised all the time by all kinds of things. We see our inability, but in this child, there's not a trace of it. The third name is Everlasting Father. Everlasting Father. And this really represents his ability to provide relationship. That he wasn't going to be this cold, distance, wise, powerful being. He's going to be in relationship with us. There's going to be a relationship of affection and love and protection and jealousy. Did you know jealousy is not a bad thing? It can be applied in bad ways, but to be jealous for something is not necessarily a bad thing. And Jesus is jealous for his people's affections because he knows that he is going to be able to be the one that gives the best. So he's jealous for us and he's affectionate for us. And this child would also be called the prince of peace. He'd be called the prince of peace. That he was coming to reconcile seemingly irreconcilable parties. He was coming to reconcile a holy God with an unholy people. And to not just reconcile them like, okay, you say I forgive you, amazing, you're all better. But to make that unholy people actually like this holy God. This Prince of Peace comes and brings reconciliation at his own expense. At his own expense, um, 
at Christmas time, uh, we, we give gifts to our kids, right? Quasi-normal thing to do. And so we give gifts, gifts to the kids. And what we don't do is after they open the gifts, we tell them how much money that gift costs and how much shoveling, right? The boys got to shovel a little this morning. How much shoveling that's going to be to actually work off those Christmas gifts. That's not what we do. It's that, no, this is given to you at my expense. You get to enjoy it at my expense. And this is what Jesus does in his coming. That he comes not in an extremely powerful way where everyone knows and sees what the, the gravity and the greatness of who Jesus is at first. He comes very humbly. In fact, Isaiah, in Isaiah 11, says this in verse, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. That, that Jesus comes like, like a branch out of a stump. This past fall, we had three trees cut down in our backyards, and there are these stumps there. They're not beautiful. They're kind of ugly. But I don't ever go to those stumps, and I'm like, wow, what wonderful life exists here. I go, and I'm reminded of the life that was once here and now has been cut down. And in a sense, the people of God were thinking about their, their history and thinking about where they came from. This, this guy, Jesse, strange. This guy, Jesse, had a son named David, and David became king over all of Israel. And it was a glorious time for the people of God then. But they moved away from that glory. They wanted to worship other things. And in a sense, they had been cut down that no longer was, was Israel going to be the hope of the nations, but from Israel, from this stump would come this shoot and this branch, and it was going to bring fruit for the nations. It wasn't just going to be about the people of, of God, the nation of Israel. It was going to be the people of God from all tribes, tongues, and people groups. And the promise was that the Spirit, the Spirit of God was going to come upon this Prince of Peace in chapter 11, verse 2. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And so what we've seen as we've been going through the book of Mark, um, outside of this little series, is we've seen the life and, and ministry of Jesus. And we saw when Jesus was baptized, after he came back up, the Spirit came down and rested upon him. And led him through all of his ministry. And at that moment, it's like Isaiah 11 verse 2 is being fulfilled, right? That God is keeping his promises. And that this one who is coming is going to bring new life for all the nations. In, in Isaiah 11 verse 10, in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire and his resting place shall be glorious. That Jesus was coming so that he could give peace to all nations. He was coming so he could give peace to all peoples. But this peace was going to be really, really costly. The book of Colossians in the New Testament, uh, in Colossians 1, verse 20, or verse 19 and 20, speaking about Jesus, Paul writes this, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. And here it is. Making peace by the blood of the cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. 
The fact that you and I can have peace with God is because God said, here's the plan. We're irreconcilable, but I'm gonna do something about it. You can't make peace with me on your own, but I'm gonna make peace with you, and I'm gonna do it by sending my son to die in your place. And he's gonna go to the cross because there's nothing you can do on your own. You can't give me enough presents. You can't come to enough church gatherings. You can't preach enough times. You can't give enough money. You can't be a good enough person to make peace with me. But don't worry, I will make peace with you. And here's the treaty, it's set out, all of it's on me, I'll die, my blood will be the thing that secures it. Will you take it? This is the good news of Christmas. That God himself comes in the form of this child to be wonderful counselor, everlasting father, mighty God, prince of peace for us. For us, so that you can have peace with him. Will you take it? Will you take it? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, will you take that peace that's being offered to you? You were made by God for him, to enjoy him, to find all of your being in him. And he says, I, I've loved you so much that I've given up everything for you. I want you. He's not looking for you to perform. He did all the performing for you. But will you, will you take it? Will you receive it? You see, you aren't capable of making peace on your own, but it's been offered to you. And it's forever, because the story didn't end where Jesus went to the cross. Jesus was then put inside of a tomb and three days later rose. Not spiritual resurrection, like, oh, I feel like he might have risen in his spirit. No, physical resurrection, gets up, yawns, stretches, moves the tomb, stone and then marches out and that 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 song that i i i didn't sing i i quoted earlier and in despair i bowed my head there is no peace on earth i said for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men and the song keeps going then rang the bells more loud and deep god is not dead nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men, and I can hear them. That the resurrection of Jesus starts this glorious celebration that shalom has begun. And that when Jesus comes back again, it's going to come in fullness. And this is where the second promise gets at. So let me read that. Isaiah 9, in part of 7, and then over in the rest of 11. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And then in chapter 11, verse 3 to 9, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, enjoying God. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist and faithfulness the belt of his loins. And I love these verses. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. 
The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. The weaned child shall put his hand in the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. You see, when he returns, his kingdom is going to take over completely. Jesus comes the first time as this humble baby. He comes back the second time as this confident warrior king who's here for his people, who's here to to institute and implement immediately his new creation. And in that moment, he is the government. That's it. It's like, yeah, but who sits on your council? Me. That's it. There's, There's no more elections. There's no more political promises. There's no more tactics of fear. It's just Jesus. And I thought about it. What happens to people that actually do elections for a living? What if they're followers of Jesus and they're part of the new kingdom as well? Maybe Jesus does like the mock election to let them work. I don't know. But we will have eyes to see and be like, we want Jesus every time, all day long. His kingdom is superb. His kingdom is the one that we want. We keep voting Jesus. And he's not going to rule by what his eyes see or his ears hear. You can't manipulate him. You can't manipulate his kingdom into what you want it to be. He's going to rule with perfect truth. Imagine if this were true today. That all of our leaders led with perfect truth. With perfect wisdom. That they did not abuse power. That they didn't love themselves and they used others. That they looked out for their own justice, but not the justice of others. What what an incredible kingdom that would be. And the kingdom that's coming is one where perfect truth, perfect wisdom, perfect power, perfect love, perfect justice, and perfect peace is the air we breathe every day. I can't wait for this kingdom to come. I can't wait for Jesus to come back. And his kingdom is going to be filled with people that used to be his enemies, but have been made right because of his making peace with us and us accepting it. And in his kingdom, everyone is going to be equal. Galatians uh, 3, book of the New Testament, talks about there is no such thing as Jew and Gentile or man and woman or any of these, these categories that we use to define. All are, all are equal. And I'm not saying we become nothings. But everyone is equal. In the kingdom of God, everyone is equal. This means that there's no more racism. There's no more classism. There's no more sexism. All of those things are put to death in the kingdom of God. And do you know what I love about Jesus is that he is drawn to the poor. He is drawn to the weak. He is drawn to the lowly and to the humble. And he says to them, you're going to have just as high of a seat in my kingdom as anyone else. This is the kingdom that we all long for. And this is the one that we can be sure is coming because the first promises of Isaiah Isaiah 9 have come true. And here's the harder truth of it, is that Isaiah 11 says he's going to kill the wicked. And we're not sure if we like that. He's going to kill the wicked. But here's the thing, all, all those who are wicked, all those who are wicked have been offered this good news, have been offered peace, have been offered this treaty of will you surrender and will you receive me? Will you give up your life, which will end in death, 
and, and get behind me, which will lead to a life, not just now, not just value, meaning, purpose for today, but for eternity. God will remove all wickedness from his kingdom. This means that there'll be no more abuse. You won't have to wonder if someone is gonna show up to hurt you. This means that there'll be no more sickness. You won't have to wonder about what the next variant is. This means that there'll be no more destruction. This means that there'll be no more fear. This means that there'll be no more death. One of my favorite passages in scripture is Isaiah 25 that speaks about this, this feast on the mount of the Lord. And it's, it's God and us, all of his people. And he takes this cup of death and to, to start all of the new creation, he drinks his cup of death, slams it down, and death is no more. Right? Aren't we excited about that? Where death will not take people that we love. Death will maybe not even be a memory. Maybe it will be scrubbed completely away that we won't even be able to think about it. And those, those animal analogies of prey and predator being together, like wolf and lamb, like snuggling with one another to take a nap. There'll be no more prey and predator with humans either. If you feel like people have preyed on you, there won't be that anymore. There'll be no more predators out to destroy you and hurt you and harm you and take advantage of you. That is done. What good news for those of us who have experienced abuse? What good news for those of us who have felt like just pray to be used and, and beat up on? Jesus is going to right every wrong. Everything that's, that's been done against you or that you've done to someone else, Jesus is gonna right all of that. This is a good news for us. And in this kingdom, this is really hard to even say, let alone believe, but in his kingdom, everything is going to be as it should be. Every single thing is going to be as it should be. There's not going to be a molecule out of place. This is good news for us. This is very good news for us. Why is everything going to be the way that God intended it is because, again, the knowledge of the Lord is going, to, is going to fill the earth like the seas. It's going to be amazing. The rocks are going to cry out to Jesus somehow. Ostriches are going to cry. I don't even know what an ostrich says. It's kind of like, what does a fox say? I'm not sure. But ostriches are going to cry out to God. Scripture tells us that the trees are going to clap their hands, Right? And the wolves are going to cry out in glory of King Jesus. And we see this picture in Revelation, the end of the, the Bible, that all people's tribes and tongues and nations are together crying out, worthy are you, Jesus. This is what's coming. This is what's coming. It's not just about remembering a little baby, being nice to one another during Christmas time and giving some money to the poor. It's that Jesus came and he's going to come back again and his kingdom is going to be one of righteousness and truth and equity and where any one of you have the opportunity to belong to that kingdom. That's good news. And also in Revelation, Revelation 21 one of the final chapters in the Bible, says this. Revelation 21, verse, verse 1. And this, again, is, is prophecy, seeing of what's to come. Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth. 
For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And then God does like tear ministry in verse four. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Why? Well, because death will be no more. Neither shall be mourning, crying, pain. The former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down for these words of trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. It's interesting that we're naming the, the variants by Greek letters because Jesus also defines himself by Greek letters. He says this, he said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the, string of the str- spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my child. This is coming. When Jesus comes back, all all sickness is done. When Jesus comes back, all death is done, and Jesus is going to look you in the eye and say, I I love you, and and maybe he removes your tear duct in that moment. I don't know, but tears aren't going to happen anymore. It's not going to be possible. There's not any, uh, for those of you who like rom-coms, those aren't going to exist, right? It's like, why am I even crying? I don't even like this movie. It's like, that's not going to happen. No more tears. All done. All worship and celebration of the victory that Jesus has accomplished. This is coming and he is coming. And peace and delight will be our song in his presence. So how do, how do we apply all of this? Well, in the midst of all the unknowns, we can know him. Sounds very simple, doesn't it? But in the midst of all the unknowns, we can know him. When um, my youngest daughter gets, gets scared, and she starts looking around, right? And I have to do like those horse blinder things that I put on her, and I'm like, look at me. Like, look at me. Focus on me. And as she focuses on me, it's like, oh, start breathing normally. Like, fear, fear moves uh, away. In the midst of those difficult circumstances, we, we focus our, our attention on, on him, because he came for us. And his promise is that I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to come for you again. The good news for us is that peace is available right now. Peace is available to you for the first time. Peace is available to you again for the millionth time. It's, it's on display and available for you to grab onto. Because it's not about your circumstances. Peace isn't about your circumstances all lining up. Peace is about a posture of heart that in the midst of a turbulent storm of change and who knows what's gonna happen, it's that it is well with my soul. Like my soul finds such delight and peace and rest in you. This is why I think as if you read Fox's Book of Martyrs or you were to read Acts um, chapter seven where Stephen is being uh, killed for his faith He focuses his eyes on Jesus. And it's like in the midst of of people being destroyed for their belief in Jesus, they're saying, it's well with my soul. Like I I have all the peace that I need in you and I I want you more than anything else, Jesus. 
So you might have an extremely difficult life. In fact, your life might get even harder. But that, that peace, doesn't, it doesn't leave. It doesn't leave. It's, it's not looking to bail. It's not looking to, to, to take off. You can have that peace now. You can have that shalom now with God. And you can have the shalom with, with all things forever. And when you experience his peace, it's something that you want to share. Because it's, it's otherworldly, it's alien-like. This type of offer isn't, isn't, doesn't come in our world. It's like you work for certain things and you get things. But this offer of peace is one that literally works like Christmas. That it's on display, given for you to take. And when you experience that, you want to tell people about it. And you know it's strange and you know it's awkward. But speaking about the way that, that God has given you peace in Jesus and who you were before and what he's done... People need to hear about that. That God has placed you and I intentionally in the neighborhood, in the workplace, in the city, at holiday gatherings, so that we can be ambassadors of reconciliation for his kingdom. Don't shy away from those things. Embrace them, lean into him, and, and lean into them, and, and ask him, would you please rescue people? Would you please help them understand the peace that you're offering? So our challenge in all of this is that we would be enjoyers, enjoyers of, of his peace. That, that that would move in us all throughout our, our, our Christmas season, that we would be enjoying the peace that Christ procured for us, and then that we would be dealers of that peace. That we'd be praying for people to respond to that peace as we're dealing it out in, in our neighborhoods and families and coworkers. Don't, don't be divisive people. There's so many things that we could talk about this Christmas season that are extremely divisive. You're, some of you are going to go into those four Christmases type of scenarios, and you're sent into those places as ambassadors of peace. Not arguers. Like, listen to people, care for them, but then talk about the peace that, that God actually offers to them. So many people's souls are, are in great turbulence right now because they don't, they don't have this. And God is putting you in their lives to speak about it and show it. Jesus never got sidetracked. He endured everything so that we could enjoy peace with God and then he's sending us so that others can enjoy that as well. I'm gonna pray um, and then we're gonna respond um, but I want to give us 30 seconds, minute of silence, because we're going to take communion uh, together. If you didn't grab a, a cup, um, you can go, you can get up and go grab that now. But I want for us to reflect, because this, this was the cost for you to have peace. You know, Sunday morning, maybe we yawn, or like, oh, I worked really hard to get here because I had to walk a few blocks or like suffer the metro stuff, and I get it. Like first world problems are real problems. Um, but the peace that you can enjoy and are enjoying costs Jesus his body and his blood. So I'm just gonna give us a, a bit of, of silence to be thinking, praying, and maybe some of you need to pray and ask Jesus, would you please rescue me? Would you change my heart? I understand for the first time that you came to give me peace with God, and I want that. And you can have it. Maybe some of you are very turbulent about certain decisions, circumstances going on in our world right now, and you need to work that out. 
with Jesus. Don't work it out on your own. Work it out with him. Surrender your hearts and take his peace for that. Jesus, thank you that you came and you made peace by the blood of your cross. The cross wasn't, um, it wasn't an accident. It was very intentional. And as you left your rightful, your rightful place with the Father and the Spirit to, to come, and to come in the form of a baby and to grow as a, as a man, being fully God and, and yet fully man, thank you that you intentionally set your eyes to, to move to Jerusalem for us. You went there to satisfy the payment of, of sin and rebellion for us. That there is, no, there is no greater gift that we will ever receive. Christmas is so exciting, but usually December 26th, all of the, the gifts we received have lost their, their luster. And yet your peace is something to be uh, enjoyed and chewed on and um, satisfying us on a regular basis. I pray for those who don't yet know you that they would turn to you and experience your peace this morning. Pray for those who, are, who have all this angst and anger and frustration in their, in their hearts that you would, you would take your balm of peace and you would put it on them now. I pray that you would take those who are full of fear and that you would take the, the peace that you've already secured and will secure and that you would put that as balm on their, on their hearts. Jesus, we, we say like Peter, where else are we going to go? We have no one else to go to. You're it. You're our only hope. And so we thank you that, that you, have, you have accomplished what we could not do for ourselves. We pray this in your name. Amen. So we're going to take this being reminded of what was done to Jesus that this top layer represents his body that was broken for us. And so take and eat, knowing that, that this piece cost Jesus his body. Then that second, that second layer opens up this juice, which is a very visceral um, Reminder of the blood that was shed for you. Tim Keller says that you were so bad that Jesus had to die, but you were so loved that he was glad to die. And so he shed his blood for you. So drink in remembrance of him. So we're going to respond a few other ways. 
we're going to respond uh, through, through singing and declaring the truth about, about who Jesus is. I know we're a little bit late, but we waited 10, 10-ish minutes because we knew that there was metro, metro lineups. You can't park anywhere around this building, so we wanted to wait a little bit. Um, but we're going we're gonna to sing in response. And uh, if you need prayer, uh, we have a, a, an area back there that someone would love to pray for you. Hang around after the gathering. We'd love to, to pray for you as well. Um, lastly, uh, for those who are part of Church 21, uh, we're wrapping up our financial year. And so we can, you can give through church21.ca slash give, or there's a box back there that you can give uh, toward as well. If you're visiting, you're not a part of Church 21, so glad that you're here with us. Uh, part of our Part of the privilege of being part of a church family is that we get to share the load of the mission of God here in our city. And so we invite you to, to give with, with generous hearts. I invite you to uh, stand and, and sing together as a response. Come, oh come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the sun of God appears. Sing rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Come thou rod of From Satan's tyranny, depths of hell, thy people save and give them victory o'er the grave. Rejoice, rejoice. Come to thee, O Israel. O come, thou day spring from on high, and cheer us by drawing Disperse the gloomy clouds of night, and death's dark shadows put to flight. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to 
darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to the King of To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost. To redeem the whole creation, 
you did not despise the cross for even in your suffering you saw through the other side knowing this was our salvation jesus for our sake you died praise the father praise the son praise the spirit three in one god of glory majesty praise forever to the king of kings and the morning that you rose all of heaven held its breath till that stone was moved for good for the lamb had conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come to the father are restored and the church of christ was born and the spirit lit the flame now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel and shall not faint by his blood and in his name in his freedom i am free for the love of jesus christ who has resurrected me praise the father praise the son praise the spirit to the King of Kings.
guys can be seated. Well, we'll get right through this. I just want to, again, thank you guys for coming today. And one thing I want to give to you before we go into announcements is uh, we went through this Advent series. It may be familiar, of course, to talk about the coming of Christ when we draw nearer to Christmas. But hold on to this, hold on to this truth that Jesus did come, and why did Jesus come, and what's coming next. Be excited about that in your soul. Let that be reflected on your face, in your actions, in your attitude. It can be hard to go home. Uh, like Dwight said, certain family dynamics can be challenging, but I challenge you to bring Christ into those family dynamics. Bring Christ to your neighbors, bring Christ to your family really bring Christ back into Christmas and enjoy everything that Christmas season has to offer with Christ in the center of it, rejoicing in Jesus, worshiping Jesus through this season. And I promise you, this will start your year off in the best place you possibly could be. So let's get into some mountains really quick. Um, we want to make sure you get connected. I'm going to just skip that first slide and go into the connected. Uh, if you have not yet filled out one of these contact cards, please, we would ask you, please fill this out today. We need at least your name and either an email or a phone number. But please, if you have not yet filled one of these out, do that today. This is our only way of keeping in touch with you. We do not want you to be alone during this, this Christmas season. And we're going to be switching online and doing local gatherings. You need to be connected. So please fill out that contact card. Um, and that's your way of getting connected, not just to us and what happens on Sundays, but what happens throughout the week and in the future and events and all that. So please don't miss out on that. And I just want to remind you guys, we mentioned this last week, there's this new little uh, business card we've made for our church. It says church one on the front has our mission statement on the back, Forging Followers of Jesus Christ, and our website. Uh, if you are unsure about like, wait, wait, what's the website name? Just take one of these for yourself. We also encourage you to take some of these to give out to your neighbors who are interested in hearing more about Jesus so that they can join us as we preach Christ uh, every single Sunday. So next, I just want to remind you guys, there is no service December 26th, but yes, service January 2nd, but it's online. So you have from now until January 2nd to figure out where you're going to, to gather in small groups for that online service. Like Dwight said, don't watch this service alone. There are missional communities we call city groups that are all across the city, and we want to make sure that every single one of you and all of the people that aren't here today all are meeting for our Sunday gathering, watching it together, worshiping the Lord together in their smaller groups. So please don't miss out on that. Uh, the online prayer, uh, Zoom prayer that happens on Wednesdays, we're going to have a, a brief pause 
for that, and that will return in the new year. So something to look forward to. Stay tuned for that. Now, last, really quick, Red Frogs. Uh, we've announced this multiple times. Uh, it's a ministry that um, provides harm reduction for student uh, par uh, parties geared towards university students. This is a very key ministry that we get to be involved in uh, and volunteer with, uh, helping keep students safe and alive and healthy and also provides opportunities to make connections and relationships and point them towards Jesus. This is a cool opportunity. Now, I know that things are sort of in the air, per se, with, with the new variant, but these are the dates we have right now, January 6th to 22nd. Those are some crazy, huge events. The more volunteers we can have, I say we because I work a lot with Red Frogs. The more volunteers they can have, the more of these events that they will be able to do. So please, if you're at all interested to that, in that, you can scan this barcode or talk to me or email me. I email all of you every week. Uh, but stay tuned about that. We're going to find out if that changes. That's all of the announcements for today. Like I said before, I encourage you guys, allow what God spoke through Dwight and what we sang about to really... Be planted in your heart, and don't let it just stay in your heart. Allow it to flow out, uh, out of your life. Uh, and so I encourage you to go and be lights into this world. Enjoy your Christmas season. We look forward to seeing you through the holidays, and next year you are sent.